You're listening to the Doheny Podcast Network. The Doheny Eye Institute, working for all to see. Your host is Jody Becker. This spring, the Doheny Eye Institute hosts the 12th Ryan Initiative for Macular Research Conference. The initiative brings together outstanding basic scientists, engineers, medical researchers, and clinicians to develop a better understanding of age-related atrophic macular degeneration. At the annual conferences, these accomplished leaders from very different backgrounds and disciplines explore technologies, discoveries, and exchange ideas, and the intention is that sharing their diverse perspectives and interdisciplinary discussions and research collaborations, participants can improve AMD diagnostics and expand the prospect of new treatments for the number one cause of visual impairment and blindness in older Americans. And I will note, as we are about to get this conversation started, that with our aging population here in the U.S., this research is ever more vital, with 3 million people expected to be affected as of this year, making the work increasingly urgent. As the Ryan Initiative matures, the work grows in scope and goes deeper, and we'll talk with our own Dr. Voss Sada, President and Chief Scientific Officer of the Doheny Eye Institute, and valued colleague and fellow Ryan Initiative Executive Committee member, Dr. Deborah Farrington of the University of Minnesota Department of Ophthalmology and Neurovision Sciences, where her lab is devoted to molecular mechanisms of aging and age-related macular degeneration. Thank you both for being here. A pleasure. Thanks, Jody. In March, over 100 doctors and other experts will gather here in Los Angeles for the annual conference. So let's hear first a little bit about this year's meeting. What is new? Why don't you go ahead, Deb? I'll let you start. Okay, great. So what's new this year? We're covering a couple of new topics. First of all, let me just explain a little bit about the meeting. We divide up into eight different groups, each of us with a, each group with a specific topic And some of the new topics for this year include examining the microbiome and nutrition and how it can affect AMD. There's going to be another one on new approaches to treatments for AMD. Then cell and organelle aging and senescence is a new topic. So every year we have a couple of new hot topics, uh, areas that are just emerging as a potential exciting way to look at AMD. And those are a few of the the ways in which we're going to do it this year. And I know that a lot of the work is done in working groups. So the conference is an opportunity to gather, but the work is happening both before and after the conference. Is that right? That's right. So first of all, the groups are self-selected. People decide which topic area they would like to investigate more fully. And then ahead of the meeting, they're given some information about the important topics that will be covered along with some suggested reading. So ahead of time, people can read up on the topic so that they come fully prepared to the meeting. And then, of course, there's all the time at the meeting that we spend a lot of hours discussing various aspects of the topic and then developing a presentation to the whole group. So even though I'm not sitting in on all eight different sessions, the end result is we'll get a chance to see the highlights of each of the different groups. That's right. And I would add also that one of the unique aspects of this meeting is this kind of exchange that happens. Uh, And actually, the content uh, in terms of what goes on at the meeting and in the individual task groups, a lot of that is done by a lot of pre-work that's done by the, the, by the co-chairs. So each of the 
groups is headed by uh, two chairs uh, who put a lot of work in advance. They come up with the details of, of the, uh, the real challenge and the topics to be covered by the group. And I think that really provides a really great guide for the discussion that happens at the meeting itself. Can you talk a little bit about how the work has evolved and how some of the topics are selected? I think for some people, it might not be surprising that there are questions around nutrition, but for others, that might sound rather innovative and interesting. Can you explain that? I think that that's where the executive committee plays a really uh, vital role. It's really been a pleasure for me to be able to work with the Dev for several years now on this uh, committee. But essentially, the executive committee um, is charged with the task of really trying to define what are the, the topic areas of most vital need. Because the whole goal ultimately is to try to find a cure for this problem related to macro generation. And, and that really takes a series of small baby steps. And, and our job is really to identify what are the key obstacles, because that's what we want to try to tackle uh, at the meeting. And that changes every year. Now, the executive committee doesn't do this in isolation because at the end of every meeting, uh, we spend a lot of time collecting feedback. We do this in a systematic fashion through a, a online a questionnaire, uh, but we collect feedback from all of the attendees in terms of what they'd like to see as uh, topics for the next year. But of course, you know, we also get a lot of this type of information uh, based on the final reports from the various task groups at the end of the meeting, because I think that also helps frame where we're at and, and where we need to need to go. Dr. Barrington, did you want to add anything there? Voss is right. The executive committee kind of makes the final program, but it's with a lot of input from participants at the meeting the year before. And we are really careful to ask important questions like, what worked and what didn't work. And we've modified actually even the schedule that we keep each year, depending on that feedback. So it really is an iterative process among several different groups of people. So that's, that's how we come up with the final program. The other imp most important, I think, aspect of this is the time that we have in, say, during the break when we're enjoying talking to everybody in the different groups. And for myself, and I think Voss can probably say the same thing, I have been able to establish some very good relationships with my colleagues and actually some collaborative projects have come out of that time, either spent in sessions with other people or even just outside of those sessions in a more relaxed, informal time. So there's a lot that goes on at the meeting that's not even scheduled into the meeting specifically, and that's been really valuable for many people, I think. Well, Dr. Sada, I know you keep a very busy travel schedule because one of the hallmarks of your leadership is that you so strongly believe in those informal interactions that cultivate and nurture relationships that colleagues can create between themselves and among themselves. I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of a sense of the history and what you see as the future of this initiative and the kind of impacts that you already see coming from the Ryan Initiative. As you noted, uh, Jody, it's, this is essentially the twelfth year, so so we're we're well past a decade of, of having this initiative, and and really the credit goes to the 
to the vision of Steve Ryan, who uh, initially worked with the the Beckman Foundation, and 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 Steve Ryan really, I think, recognized that when you have big problems, it really requires big science, and that really means big teams of people uh, working together. And you know, a unique aspect of this meeting is we, we sort of, um, as you sort of stated at the outset, is that it's an interdisciplinary meeting. I mean, this is a meeting that brings together the best and brightest, and including people who may not even be working in ophthalmology or vision science. And then the concept is you really need to bring together big teams of people who have diverse backgrounds if you're going to solve a very difficult problem like uh, macular generation. And so I think the the program has been uh, in, incredibly uh, successful but because we don't have, uh, you know, it, it really fills in an important uh, need area in our field because there's very few meetings that bring together clinicians, uh, basic scientists, and even scientists are working, as I said, in other specialties and fields outside of ophthalmology. It just doesn't it just doesn't happen. And then the meeting format itself is very unique where we have this time for a discussion to really, you know, sort of uh, to have discussion that's focused around specific uh, problems. I just want to maybe just go back for a moment about Voss's comment about the combination of clinicians and basic scientists and engineers. What is exciting about that is everybody brings a different perspective to the table. And I've learned so much about clinical care and some of the clinical hurdles that my colleagues have that is really valuable, especially when I'm talking with patients now, for example, in philanthropic work, I can actually discuss a little bit more than I think I would have been able to had I not been to the Ryan meeting. And so that's another plus, especially for basic scientists, for us to really get to know clinicians in a much more intimate way and hearing about their stories about patients. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more with uh, what what Deb just uh, said. I mean, the very early days of the meeting, not only did we have the meeting, we even had uh, a program with these uh, seed grants. And the idea was that you know Deborah talked about these collaborations that spawned from the meeting. Well, we even found mechanisms to be able to fund some of those early collaborations. And so where we've seen is that the investment um, that was actually made in the program paid off many times in terms of the uh, the publications, the the additional grants and and patents and other things that came out of this collaborative work. And so we uh, we we're, we we've been tracking some of that, uh, and uh, it, and it's really quite astounding. I can remember the first meeting I attended, which was 12 years ago now, and I was in the group that talked about stem cells. At the time, I knew very little about that. It was really at the very beginning of stem cell research in retina for AMD, and I learned a ton that first meeting. And thought to myself, well, this was informative, but I don't think I'll ever really use this information. Well, lo and behold, these days I am in my own lab using induced pluripotent stem cells as part of our research program for trying to do some drug discovery. And so, you know, I think had it not been for that initial meeting and sitting in on a topic area that I was not so familiar with, I would maybe not have taken the plunge and and develop my research program in this direction. So I think if we talk to lots of people at the meeting, they'll express a similar story where the meeting really broadened their horizon as to what's possible. Dr. Deborah Farrington, Dr. Voss Sada, thank you both very much. And 
Next month in Los Angeles, the Ryan Initiative for Macular Research meets for its 12th annual conference. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. If you'd like to support the work of the Doheny Eye Institute, please visit the website at doheny.org. The Doheny Eye Institute, at the forefront in eradicating eye disease for nearly 70 years, is dedicated to providing state-of-the-art clinical services and supporting leading researchers in the quest for treatments that stabilize and improve the precious sense of sight. Doheny is now affiliated with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. For more information about our doctors and their innovative work in the quest for better vision, visit our website, doheny.org.